Have you ever been tempted to give up or check out in your walk with God? Have you been at a place in life's journey where you felt overwhelmed and overshadowed by life's obstacles, setbacks, or heartaches? It could be you're at such a place right now, a place where you are hungering for hope. If so, then Hope Along the Journey podcast is a ministry of encouragement created specifically with you and others just like you in mind. And now, here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Thank you, John, and welcome to today's Hope Along the Journey podcast, friend. We're so glad that you have joined us because we have some incredible guests here in the studio. I have David and Christy Radcliffe, and uh, they get big smiles on their faces. I wish you could see their (laughs) smiles. I can tell they're just so excited or extremely nervous. I don't know which. But um, they are, well, I'm going to let them tell you all about their story here in just a moment. But David and Christy attended here at Kenwood for many years, very active here in the church, and now they are on the mission field serving Jesus on the continent of Africa, and they're going to be telling their story to you today, and you don't want to miss this. So I'm glad that you're listening. So without any further ado, I'm going to let them introduce themselves and talk about mission organization they work for, and then tell us exactly where you're serving Jesus and what it is that you're doing. Sure. Well, this is David, and um, we are in Jos, Nigeria, serving with a missions organization called Back to Back Ministries, which is uh, the corporate headquarters is here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, We have seven locations uh, throughout the world, so it's a global organization and our focus is orphan care. And so Christy and I have been in Jos, Nigeria now for a year and a half, and I am there in an educational role with the kids that we serve, and Christy is a nurse, so she's been helping out with the physical care of the children. All right, great. That's exciting. So how, how long have you been there? How many months? A year and a half? What Almost a year and a half, yeah. year and a half. Wow, that's incredible. And so you're home for the holidays for a little while. We're so yes. glad that you came by here. So, Christy, you want to say a word? Tell us anything he forgot to say, because, you know, most time when we guys say something, our wives are like, they need to jump in there and say, I need to clarify this, or no, you didn't get this quite right. Is there anything you sure. need to add to the story? Sure. Well, part of what, um, leading up to this, um, David had been in education for about, was it seven years mm-hmm. that you taught math before going? And I've been a nurse for 16 years here at Christ Hospital. Wow. Um before going. So that was kind of the background that we brought into this. And um, some of the more specifics about back-to-back is they do holistic care, um, serving the kids um, not only spiritually, but Mm -hmm. also um, educationally, emotionally, socially, and physically. And so that's kind of how we saw ourselves fitting into this picture yeah. Um, of this ministry. So That's awesome. Yeah, I could see where you would be perfect for for something like this. So so, Christy, you were in the medical field mm-hmm. 16 years, did you say? Yes. Wow, you guys don't look that old. I'm getting older. You all are getting old. Somebody's getting old in this room. Yes. I don't know who, but yeah. And David, you were in Christian education. That's right. And uh, both of you were doing extremely well. So now we got to come to the, the million-dollar question is, 
How in the world did you make this turn in the road? What caused you to move from what you were established and involved in? Because both of you are very established in your careers. Mm -hmm. And you have children. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden now you're going to pick up roots and you're going to a lanyard and start, kind of start life all over again. How did that happen? What led to this? Yeah, so we never really um, set out with any particular goal, Um, you know, missions, we had taken several missions, short-term missions trips over the years. Um, I had visited uh, the Philippines with um, oh, I can't think TLC. Of, TLC. Okay. Um, Touching was, lives for Christ. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when I was a teenager, and then uh, we went and visited Glenn and Helen Rife down in Guatemala. Oh yes. With, mm-hmm. uh, shortly before we were married, and. Um, you know, missions is something that we've always had a heart for. We've had a heart for kids. Um, we sponsored a couple kids through Compassion International. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a neat way for us to um, connect with uh, kids globally and kind of teach our kids about giving mm-hmm. to others. But uh, never really saw ourselves going overseas and, and doing something like that full time until um, I guess it's been three years ago that uh, we had a representative from Back-to-Back Ministries come to our principal and ask about our um, junior high and high schoolers Mm -hmm. going on a short-term missions trip to their site in Monterey, Mexico. So my oldest daughter, Madison, was in seventh grade at the time, and she was going to be a participant. And we thought, again, it would be a great way for our kids to serve in another culture and get a little bit of experience Mm -hmm. outside of uh, the U.S., so I was excited about it. I was on board right away. And then I think the really neat thing was that um, our principal wanted to have a nurse um, come with us in case there was any medical emergency. So she invited Christy to come along. So it was Christy and I in, in Madison going down to the Monterey site. And um, we got down there and just had a wonderful time and just really fell in love with the ministry and, um, you know, obviously working with the, the kids. Right, right. But just their approach to ministry, the mm-hmm. holistic aspect of the meeting the spiritual needs along with the physical and educational mm-hmm. and emotional and social. And so we didn't really have a lot of time to talk uh, when we were down there because we were she was in the girls' room, mm-hmm. I was in the, uh, the boys' room. And... Um, when we got back, I, I remember thinking when we were down there, like this would be, I could see us doing something like this as a family. This mm-hmm. is a really cool ministry. Uh, but again, we, we didn't really uh, talk when we were down there. So when we got back, um, we started debriefing a little bit about our experience <clears throat> and um, came to realize that that was something that Christy was thinking too. Okay. So we started you know, talking about it a little bit more seriously and started really praying and ask God, asking God, you know, what is it that you would want us to do? And we were thinking honestly about the Monterey site mm-hmm. um, because that's where we had visited. And when we formally approached back to back and asked them, um, you know, if they had any openings, they found out that we were a teacher and a nurse. And they said that they um or they wanted to see if we would be interested in going to their Nigeria site. And honestly, that kind of 
blew me out of the water. <laughs> um, I think Christy was more open to it at uh-huh. first. I think uh, one of the advantages was that they speak English in Nigeria, so we wouldn't have to learn a new language. But uh, it was scary to think about moving our kids that far away. I'm sure to, it was, um, yeah. A different culture. But we, we kept our hearts and our minds open mm-hmm. and uh, ended up taking a scout trip um, about a year after we went to Monterey, Mexico, and about two months after we got back from our um, our scout trip, we formally signed up to work with Back to Back and start the, the fundraising process. That's awesome. That is great. Christy, from your perspective, what yes. was this like for you? Uh, how did God work in your life to bring you to this point? Yeah, so kind of just alongside David's story, I think for me, when we went to Monterey, one of the stories that they told us there, it was a children's home that we were working with while we were there for the week. But the lady that had started it, she um, had prayed for 15 years for this home to be able to open it before um, before it actually opened. And she was the age of 60 when it opened. And she was at this point, I think in her 80s and still operating the home. But that story really stood out to me because I had kind of felt like, you know, I mean, I was already, I think I was 36 or 37 at the time. And it sounds kind of funny to maybe to say, think, oh, it's too late for me. But for me, you know, thinking that most people start this kind of thing when they're 20 or just coming out of college. Uh And we've already really settled into our life and we have careers and three kids. And how could God use us to do something like this now? Um, But hearing her story that she just stayed faithful and God Mm -hmm. was able to use her at the age of 60 mm-hmm. to 80, it, she did some of her biggest ministry. So that just really um, resonated with me while I was there. And then we just loved, fell in love with the ministry. I think we could right. really see ourselves um, with our skill sets being able to be useful in that mm-hmm. type of a ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's when we came home, and I was almost kind of scared to talk to David about it. Like, I didn't know what he would think. and. <laughs> And right. I think he was thinking the same thing, and then we ended up, you know, talking right. about it together and realizing it's something we were both um, feeling impressed to do. Uh-huh. Um, but I will say that it wasn't a it wasn't an easy road necessarily. It wasn't like we right. just decided this and everything was great after that. We had a lot of moments of doubt and a lot of moments of like maybe we should just scrap this whole thing. You know, we're we're yeah, doing fine. Sure. We're doing mm-hmm. fine. We're let's just stay here and keep doing our thing. Um, because honestly, a lot of the challenges of even getting there felt insurmountable, like right. just I'm sure they did even just the fundraising mm-hmm. and the um, selling our house and our cars and just arrange everything that had to be done just felt overwhelming. But right. Right. And, and we never honestly had like an, any big lightning bolt moments of God saying, this is where you're supposed to go and what you're supposed mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. But what I describe it to people as it once we began, we felt the nudging and the the prompting. We just kept taking the next step. That's and, so important. And just doing yes. the thing that was in in front of us. Mm-hmm. And even when it felt hard, sometimes we we backed up and started again. But we just kept doing the next thing and it, it felt I don't want it to sound cliche, but it just honestly we couldn't see how it was all going to play out. We honestly right. didn't know. Right. And it felt a little scary thinking, 
what if this is all a big flop and we mm-hmm. tell people we're mm-hmm. we're moving and then we can't <laughs> we can't raise the money or we can't sell our house or we can't you know we can't we can't we can't we can think of all these things yeah. um but it really built our faith um during even just the preparing right. to go right. i think for me like the fundraising was the the biggest obstacle was it i i wasn't scared about moving to another country but um, thinking about trying to support my family and relying on the support of others. Um, <clears throat> before I went to, or before I taught at uh, Liberty Bible Academy, I was uh, working at uh, PNC Bank mm-hmm. uh, as a sales representative, and I just remembered how bad I was at sales. <laughs> and I just thought that oh, fundraising, my. I was basically trying to sell myself, <laughs> you know, in, in terms of just, you know, trying to explain the mission to people and right. why they should give. And um, I just didn't feel equipped to do that. And I remember telling Christy, like, if we're able to raise all the money that the ministry is asking us to raise, it's going to have to be got because... Right. We, we don't, we're not salespeople. And um, there were definitely discouraging days. You know, we got to about, I think it was 49%. Yes. And <laughs> it just felt 50. like mm-hmm. we couldn't get over that hump of 50%. Right. And, um, you know, I remember at one point somebody uh, from our church came up to us and um, started talking to us and trying, you know, we were trying to act like things are going well and, mm-hmm. He just kept uh, pressing and pressing, and finally we admitted that we were discouraged and, and things just didn't, you know, f- we felt down. Mm-hmm. And he really encouraged us and, and prayed with us and um, reminded us why we're doing this. And right, right. What, you know, that this is this is God, it's not you. And he just really poured into us that night. It was a Sunday, and, and it's like forever etched in our mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because, because like the next morning, um, we were still, you know, getting ready mm-hmm. for the day, and Christy looked at her phone, and we would always get email notifications when we had a new uh, donor, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and um, a, a gift for twelve thousand dollars came through, and to this Amazing. day we have no yes. idea where the money came An from. Anonymous. Wow. Yeah. Um, That's incredible. But, but the timing of the gift was, I think, even more amazing than the yes. amount of the gift. Yes. Because we were really feeling low and feeling like, um, you know, this is something that we can't do. And uh, for God to come through for us in a moment yes. like that, um, it just really boosted our spirits and reminded us that it truly isn't us that's uh, providing. Mm-hmm. He's the one that's providing for us to be there. That's and right. If he's called us to be there, then he's going to make a way. That's beautiful. You know, so many times I think that we tend to undertake things that we in a subtle way, believe, well, if God doesn't come through, uh, I can make this happen. Mm -hmm. But ever so often, God asks us to step into something that unless God comes through, this isn't going to happen. You know, it's not going to take place. And that was what you had here, This, which means that this is a God thing. It's a God vision because it had to be God to see this accomplished. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure this probably was preparing you for what you were going to need to really, yeah, I'm seeing both of you shake your heads. Yes. Everybody can see that. Yeah. It was like yes. bobbleheads. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So in a way, God made it a trial of faith mm-hmm. because the trial of faith wasn't going to end when you landed right. on the continent of Africa, was right. it? Yeah. So tell us a little bit. Take us to what, um, what has life been like 
I mean, there's no way you can put 18 months in here, just a few minutes, but tell us a little bit about like, what has it been like and what are you doing there? Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of ministry are you doing? And, and I know COVID, it falls into the picture. We talked about that before we started the podcast. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about like what's been going on and what you're facing and what you're dealing with. Okay. Um, so for me, uh, my official title with back to back is medical coordinator. Um, there's never been a, a medical personnel at the site in Nigeria. Um, so what they try to do as a ministry is there's 150 kids in our program in Nigeria and we, we do a well check for every kid Mm -hmm. every year, which is actually very abnormal there. Most kids don't get well checks done. Mm. Um, but that's kind of where it had stopped at that point where they would get a well check done, but there was no follow up or even right. maybe a treatment plan if something was uncovered because it was just so many and there wasn't the experience there to do it. So my my kind of big goal for the first year was just to get everybody through a well check and get their records kind of squared up and right. then start treatment plans for anybody that needed it. Um, which we've actually had two or three kids that needed surgery that has been done this year. And we've found 11 kids with hepatitis that have oh, has wow. been untreated up to this point. Um, so we've managed to get nine of them started on treatment plans before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's expensive even there to get um, all the testing and the, mm-hmm. the medication that they need. Um, but So that's why a lot of times people don't do it. Um, but we've been able to provide that for these kids through the ministry. And then we've also uncovered a lot of high blood pressure, even amongst our teenagers, like our older kids. Really? That's amazing Yes, so there's been about, I think, six or seven of the HOPE program students that have had um, hypertension. So we've been working on training them um, to, you know, about their diet and exercise and just ways to naturally lower it and also kind of giving – them the responsibility for their own health and saying, you need to show up once a month to get it checked Mm -hmm. and then tell me what you're doing differently. And so a lot of it's kind of training them in responsibility of their health too. Um, and, and giving them confidence to go to ask questions to the doctor Uh when we go in, I've went, I went in with every single one of them. Um, so that's been a big undertaking for me this year. Mm -hmm. I won't do that every year, but it's kind of been neat for them, for me to see them, um, just kind of loving having somebody walk in with them to sit in a doctor's office. Like that's not something they would normally get. Um, and that's somebody that will speak up for them and be a voice for them when they don't know what to say or what to ask. But I'm trying to teach them right. too, like right. it's safe. You can ask the doctor this or you mm-hmm. can tell them this, you know. Um, so that's been a really neat thing for me. And obviously with COVID, it set me way behind. Mm-hmm. We were supposed to do these yeah. checkups in April, and we didn't get to do them, start them until about July going into August. So we just really wrapped them up before we came mm-hmm. um, here for Christmas. Um, and the other thing that we're wanting to do is do dental cleanings for all of the kids because we've realized some of them have never, ever seen a dentist in their, in their teens. Yeah. So that's our big goal at the beginning of the year medically is to get them all um, through the dentist. So that's, that's kind great. of been my, uh, you know, it's like, I felt like in a way with COVID, we've just struggled to maintain like status quo just to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, right. but you know, we, we have been able to accomplish more than what I would have thought maybe. So it's wow. been, it's been good. And we got all of them through the medical checks and, um, 
Yeah. That's so. great. Why, why is, that's incredible. Dave, Dave, for you now, you're into education. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me a little bit about, tell us everybody about what, a little bit about what you're doing there with education. Sure. So my role is education program manager. And like Christy mentioned, we have 150 kids in our program. Um, roughly 100 of them attend the same school. It's a ministry mm-hmm. school um, locally in Joss. And um, my main role is just to basically advocate for the kids, um, track their progress in mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a staff of 15 tutors that um, I'm responsible for um, providing professional development and uh, managing that staff and coordinating their mm-hmm. efforts. And, um, you know, in Nigerian culture, education is very important. Um, and I've been really amazed at um, how, how uh, educationally uh, strong these, these students are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of misconceptions about, um, you know, kids from Africa mm-hmm. um, and what their educational attainment is. Um, but we have some, we have really amazing students and to also think about where these kids uh, have come from and the things that they've had to overcome mm-hmm. to get to the place where they're at. Um, that being said, there are a lot of challenges um, in the educational system in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. A lot of our kids came from village schools and the, the educational experience is inconsistent. And right, so, right. Um, you know, we have kids in our program that are 16 years old and they're in primary three, the third grade. Basically. Oh, wow. That's a challenge. And it so, has to be. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's a lot of uh, social and emotional challenges that go along with that, mm-hmm. in addition to the educational challenges. And, um, you know, it's not uncommon for uh, several students to repeat mm-hmm. each year. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine, um, you know, if you have kids the the toll that that takes yeah. on a child when they, mm-hmm. they realize that they have to repeat a year. And so, um, you know, we've been advocating for the kids, looking for ways to help these kids. There's not, um, you know, in the States we have individual education plans and mm-hmm. uh, different resources that we can use to help kids that are behind and try to bring them up to where they need to be. And uh, there's just not the same type of resources Mm. available. So we have to be creative and um, just try to help them in any way we can. Um, Our goal for as many kids as possible is to try to get them to the point where they would be able to attend a a university or a trade school or something like Mm -hmm. that. Um, And so that's been another emphasis of mine is trying to help the kids prepare for uh, their college entrance examinations. Yeah. And so uh, between the helping the kids that are struggling in school and helping the kids that are graduating from mm-hmm. what we would call high school, um, it's it's been keeping me busy. Yeah, I bet it has. But, <laughs> but you know what, I look at you all and I hear what you're saying and I can see like, you know, I, you guys are perfectly suited for where you're at. I mean, you were needed. You went to a place where you really were needed. And you're doing you're doing a, I know a tremendous job. We we love kind of keeping up with you. You know we spy on you on Facebook. <laughs> sure, we, yeah. You know we troll Facebook and look at you guys. Uh, David, you share with us a, a powerful answer to prayer with your fundraising. Mm-hmm. But Christy, I want to shift to you now and ask you. Uh, I'm sure there are several things you could share, but is there like one 
story or one example you could share about where God really came through or helped you or in some special way? And I'm sure, that, again, there's several things you could say, but would there be at least one thing you could share with us? Sure. Um, I think that for me, when I first went, uh, my biggest concern was like my own kids going into it, that they well, would sure, be yeah. um, able to assimilate to the culture and find friends. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, so honestly, it took for for Maddie, our, our oldest, um, we have three kids. Maddie is 16 now and Jake is 12 and Elliot is nine. Oh, wow. um, so for Maddie, you know, she was a 15 year old when we moved there. So that was a big, mm-hmm, big thing. Sure. For a girl to move like that at that age, um, and it honestly took her about nine months to really like tell me that she was. Um, I remember like it was in her night in her room one night talking, and and she was like, "I don't want to leave here." And I just thought, "Thank you, God." You know, Amen. like That's that was right. a huge answer yes. to prayer yeah. for me because I didn't want this to be something that the whole time that we're there that she's struggling and not wanting to be there or be resentful over it. We don't, we never wanted to make this something that our, our kids later, you know, that we, we regretted because absolutely. Of That's right. And so I feel like God has really um, protected them mm-hmm. and, and given them all friends. And um, that for me is probably one of my really big answers to prayer for when, from when we first went, um, so, and I can understand it as a, as a mother and as parents mm-hmm. because, unlike a lot of missionaries who go either before or their children are born or their children are you know are very small when they go, mm-hmm. I mean your kids are right there that adolescent period right. of time of life teenage years right. and and really that is an amazing answer to prayer that they have adapted yes. to the point they really love being there yes. and are enjoying it. Yes. So that's great. Uh, there, man, I wish we could talk for an hour here, but I, I prompted you and told you I was going to ask you this question. So here we go. What would be some of the, the lessons you feel like you've learned in this year and a half that you think two or three lessons that just, you know, like God really has really taught us fill in the blank mm-hmm. and maybe just kind of share that with our listeners a little bit, what you feel like have been some of the most important lessons you've learned during this time. I think for me, you know, it's when God calls you somewhere, you know, I, I think it's just human that we have certain expectations of what that calling is going to look like. <laughs> yes, we do. And I remember shortly after we got there, um, sitting in a staff meeting with our Nigerian site director, and he was talking about Jonah and how God called him to Nineveh. And the extent of his calling was, you know, three days. Mm-hmm. And um, to think about the impact that he had on that city. Um, but then even Jonah kind of wrestling with that calling even after he preached the gospel in Nineveh. And um, you know, we went into Nigeria hoping to be there, uh, you know, long term, and we still hope to be there long term. Um, and, and we had certain ideas of what we wanted to accomplish in the educational realm. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Christy had goals uh, for, you know, what she wanted to do with the children physically. But um, just realizing that what we think God is asking us to do, um, you know, we don't see the whole picture. And um, the impact that we make if, if God um, blesses us 
is um, it may be things that we never get to see. Right. That's hard yeah. for me because like <laughs> I'm a goal oriented person. Sure. And I like to, sure. to, to see that the things that I'm doing are making a difference. Right. Right. We may not ever get to see all of those things. Um, but our, our job is not the, the outcome. It's the being faithful and being obedient. And just also realizing that, you know, we think that we're going there to, to serve the Nigerian people, and we are. Um, but what God can do in our own hearts mm-hmm. and in the hearts of our, our children, mm-hmm. um, I think is just as important as uh, what we're giving uh, to the people and that the, is so the children true. that are in our That's ministry. That is so true, David. So um, really just it's been, you know, opened up my mind to have a, a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we, we'll never see the whole picture. Right. But it's just exciting to think that what God can do through us if we're willing to be used by Him. Yeah. That's right. I, I, as you were speaking, I, I thought about, I, I've got this little beatitude, and you probably heard it, blessed are the flexible, for they yes. shall not break, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, as a missionary, I bet you have learned, like you said, you go in with your own agenda, your own ideas, and all right. of a sudden, uh, this isn't going the way I thought it was going to go. You know, things are changing, moving. I'm sure you guys have had to learn to be extremely flexible yes. on the mission field. Yes. The yeah. fruit of the, the spirit, the, the patience. Yes. Yes. <laughs> patience, right. Learning lots of patience. Well, Christy, yeah. share with us one or two things you think that feel like you've really learned in this yeah. year and a half. Um, I, I have to go along somewhat with what David's saying of, of just, I think the whole idea of, um, not realizing the things that were really going to be impactful Mm -hmm. and, or the things that, so for me, um, for instance, you know, obviously I went as a nurse, but I feel like almost the things that have been the most, um, that God has used the most is just me being a mother, Mm -hmm. which is, is really actually sweet for me because all all the years that I was a nurse, all I ever really wanted to be was a stay-at-home mm-hmm, mom. Mm-hmm. That was what I wanted to be in the very beginning. Um, yeah. And I, I became a nurse because it was something that I could do and I did like almost more out of a, um, a necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, but God has used it to get me there. Right. But right. now He's giving me this dream that I always had of wanting to be a mom, and now I feel like I am a mom to 150 kids. That's beautiful, isn't it? Um, yeah. And so I think just even throughout, from when I went back when I was 20 and had that dream, and always wished I could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then here at almost 40, you know, God's giving me this gift back of when I've been faithful to Him. So isn't I think that. That has just been a really neat thing for me to see, mm-hmm. and and just the the way the kids have um, just they come into our house and they want to like I make homemade bread because you can't just buy good bread there, so they okay. and they love it. So I I literally make about ten loaves of bread a week. I'd be at your house too. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I'd be knocking on that door. You'd hear, yeah, okay. Uh, they they come and they eat bread and they yeah. they lay on the floor and the couch and they just talk and we. And we, that's been like the sweetest Isn't part of ministry there is, is just building relationships with the kids. And I think that that was, 
not that I didn't expect that, but I, I just, it wasn't in your deputational speech. Like this one I'm going over to do is bake bread and have kids in my house. Right. Yeah. So, and it's like the simple things like that. And even showing up, they, of course, soccer is, is huge in Nigeria. That's their main sport and they play almost every day. Um, and so we just show up at the field uh, Mm -hmm. almost every day to watch them play. And sometimes it feels like, man, we've, we've logged how many hours at the soccer field. Mm -hmm. David will play with them. And I'll just sit on the sidelines and watch. But there have been a times where I'll have kids sitting next to me, maybe even just quietly. And then suddenly a conversation comes up where and they just pour something out to me that I'm kind of shocked, mm-hmm. you know, like, wow, if I hadn't been here logging these hours and this time, they probably wouldn't have built that trust up to be able to right. talk to me. And one one specific story of a boy, he's actually um, older. He's 21, 22, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had told me some things were bothering him and he just wanted, and we were just sitting there at the soccer field watching and he just opened up and, um, told me his story of, you know, wow. how his parents had died when he was young and his dad had two wives and he always had some bitterness about that, that his dad spent more time with the other family than mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. and than their family. He didn't ever understand that. And now he, he can't ask him why. And, mm-hmm. And so he just really poured out to me. And I, I honestly, you know, I'm not a, a counselor or anything like that. So I, I didn't even, I thought, God, I don't even know what to say. I, and I just thought of telling him, you know, why don't you write a letter to your mm-hmm, parents? Mm-hmm. You know, you can't talk to them, but write them a letter and just, right, right. it can just be for you. No one else has to read it. And, and he liked that idea. I said, you can tell them that you're angry. You can tell them that you miss them. You can tell anything that you are feeling. Mm-hmm. And, and so he did, he, he did within the next couple of days, he actually wrote the letter he wanted me to read it actually. Mm-hmm. And I was like, are you really sure you want me to read? Yeah. He wanted me to read it. Mm-hmm. And it was very heart wrenching to read. Um, but after that, he, he wanted to reach out to his dad's other family. Um, like the, mm-hmm the second wife and the kids that he'd had with that other family who he kind of felt some jealousy and bitterness about, he decided on his own that he wanted to go visit those, um, Mm -hmm. siblings of his. And since then he's been visiting these, these girls, sisters, they're younger than him. They're kind of young and Mm -hmm. visiting them regularly and even bringing them to where he's living and, and taking, helping take care of them. That is amazing. Um, one of them wasn't going to school because her mom couldn't pay her school fees. So he's trying to work to pay her school fees. And I just think that's a beautiful picture of, of, you know, forgiveness and redemption. And that, that's our goal for all of these kids is that, you know, we can somehow, inspire them or, or give them encouragement or the resources they yeah. need to actually move forward and now forgive and, yeah. and change the the path for the ones ahead yeah. of them. So, And you're giving was, them hope. Yes. Yeah. It's a ministry of hope. There's no question yes. about that. Well, we, we, we're going to wrap this up, man. It's just been exciting. I think we could, when you get back in the States again, one of these days, we're going to, we got to do a follow up and find out yes. what else you're learning as time yes. moves on. But thank you for being part of the podcast. Why don't you share with the listeners? Uh, I know that you have a blog out there, so tell mm-hmm. them where they can go to find out more about the Radcliffs and what you do there and can follow you on your sure. blog. Okay. Um, the blog is called OrdinaryOlives.com, and it's more of a, um, a 
keeping track of a kind of from a personal perspective for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also tabs on there about our calling and our organization, back-to-back ministries that we work with. Great. And also um, ways to join our support team should you be interested in that. Okay, great. Well, thank you all for being on the, the podcast thank today. You. Thank, thank you, you so much. much. Uh, it's been a joy. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening today. And as we always like to say at the close of the podcast, that Jesus Christ is truly the hope of the world. And if you look to Jesus, you can find hope along the journey. God bless you. And thank you for listening today. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and would like to know more, follow us on Facebook at Hope Along the Journey or send us an email at hopealongthejourney at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you join us again for more hope along the journey.